in a world where literature is dominated by dusty leather-bound books with no pictures. Three men dare to venture to their local comic shop to approach the counter and utter those three magic words. Make mine paperback. Welcome in and welcome back to Make Mine Paperback, a podcast about comic books and the musical inspired by William Shakespeare's play Romeo and Juliet, conceived by Jerome Robbins, music by Leonard Bernstein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, and book by Arthur Lorenz. Set in the mid-1950s in the Upper West Side of Manhattan and New York City, then a multiracial, blue-collar neighborhood, the musical explores the rivalry between the Sharks and the Jets, two teenage street gangs of different ethnic backgrounds. Conceived in 1947, the musical, of course, is West Side Story and its dark theme, sophisticated music, extended dance scenes, and focus on social problems marked a turning point in musical theater. I'm Graham Got a Rocket in My Pocket Giles, and with me, as always, my experts at staying cool, he feels pretty, oh so pretty, he feels pretty and witty and bright, he pities any comics that aren't DC, Stephen Shear, and he's a jet, he's a jet all the way from his first James Howlett to Wolverines of today, steadfastly supporting Marvel, Alex Shear. Today we continue our theme for the month of January, Sidekicks. This week we have my book on the theme. My book this week is Robin Number 1 from 2021, written by Joshua Williamson, art and colors by Glev Melnikov. After learning of the deadly League of Lazarus tournament, Damian Wayne has a new mission, winning the tournament to prove he is the greatest fighter in the DC universe. But first, he must find the secret island where it's all going down. This solo Robin series will force Damian Wayne to find his own path away from both sides of his family. New mysteries, new supporting cast, first appearances of new characters, and lots of fights. But before we get to that, Alex, what'd you read this week? This week I dived into a graphic novel twist on a classic book by F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. It is in graphic novel form, and I was really excited to check this out. Some cool stuff in there, uh, different takes on... No, I don't want to say different takes, um, just... To kind of see it more visualized other than the movie and, of course, the actual just written written word. The Great Gatsby graphic novels were really good to read. I read the first. It looks like it's a two-parter. So I read the first one. Really good stuff. I definitely recommend you guys check those out, especially if you are a fan of The Great Gatsby. Great stuff. Great art. Just It just tells the t- tale a little bit different than it has before. What about you, Stephen? Well, I didn't know The Great Gatsby was adapted into a graphic novel. I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah, when was that graphic novel from? I think uh, I think Gatsby just fell into the public domain, so I'm wondering if recent. Two thousand twenty. Yep. There you go. So that, that would <laughs> be it. And the copyright expired. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, let's see what I oh I continued the story of Saga this week uh, to get ready for talking about it next week. I wanted to get that wrapped up and then get prepared for the relaunch. It's getting restarted again. It was on hiatus, so I want to get ready for all that. That's happening this month as well. So I I complete a couple more volumes of saga so hope to be all done but next week that's Very cool. uh, yeah i pounded through saga this summer and uh that stuff can be addictive i'm excited to start it again it's, it's very good yeah I, I hope that uh when they reboot it i hope it continues for a while exactly yeah it's uh well i, I think we're supposed to be halfway through the series so uh we've got plenty more action to come 
Look forward to it. This week I got to uh, read, I got my book in the mail. I don't know if I just that I ordered this book, but it's uh, Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics, which is a book about understanding comics, but it's also itself a comic book. Um, so uh, for those not <laughs> able to watch the screen, Graham is holding up the book and showing us that it's a comic book. Yeah. yeah. So you get to read comics <laughs> while you learn about comics. I love yeah, it. Actually, actually kind seems of seems like they're in- circular. So how are you if you don't understand how to read comics, how are you going to understand that then? Gonna... <laughs> it's not about understanding how to read comics. It's about oh, okay. understanding comics themselves. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it does a pretty good uh, dive into uh, comics, like how comics are created, and just understanding comics in general. Um, but yeah, really good. Recommend it to anybody who wants to discuss comics. Uh, good jumping off point. Now, uh, one caveat is that it was written um created in 92 like uh, yours truly so uh, it's uh it doesn't weren't you created in 91 i guess technically you were just <laughs> born in 92 that's right well the book was was created in 92 and published before so i mean yeah, close the enough. only way i could get it to work was to be to the, throw the 92 out there um, <laughs> but no the book in general uh pretty good uh but just doesn't have the the modern stuff so if you want a dissection of modern comics, you're out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we are talking about Robin number one this past year. Uh, Damian Wayne as Robin. Uh, jumping in, we see Damian Wayne has run away from his Titans family as well as his Bat family. Uh, he also is not with the League of Assassins. Uh, he is kind of off on his own, doing his own thing. Uh, we see that he's trying to get entrance into this League of Lazarus tournament. He's pitting the best fighters in the DC Universe against each other. Should be a, a cool tournament. Uh, what do you guys think of the book? I liked it. I think Damian Wayne is an interesting Robin to read about. I mean, I, I like Dick Grayson a lot, and he, he appears a lot too. But every once in a while when they throw Damian Wayne in there, it's interesting. Cause, I mean, uh, just by the fact that he's the son of Batman too. And I like reading about him. I mean, he's super angsty and at times violent, but... Um, it always just, I don't know, I just like reading about him. Well, Stephen, I mean, you I think you pointed it, you know, hit it right on the head, right? Damien is so angsty, and he's very, he's got a consistent attitude just copped. He's just always like, I know who I am, I'm the best, whatever. Like, he's just, you just get that vibe from him just by reading how he talks and how he interacts with. So I think you you nailed that right on the head. Just very angsty, very, you know, can be very violent, can be very aggressive. And wants to do things on his own. And I love that. Like, he, he's trying to be this independent guy and, you know, this this kid, really. And I think it's I think it's really interesting to see how he develops and how he continues this book. But overall, I really liked it. That's good. I, I think this is kind of a falling back uh, for Damien. I mean, he's so for those who don't know, he is the son of Batman and Talia al Ghul. Um, he was raised by the League of Assassins and trained to be an heir to the League of Assassins. Um and in that, he's trained to be a warrior and trained to be really independent. And so he's operated that way for most of his life. Uh, eventually comes to Batman and has to learn how to be a part of this adopted Bat family. Um, and, and eventually kind of does, falls into place with this Bat family. He really learns from Bruce, learns from Dick Grayson a lot, uh, learns from the other Robins, from Tim Drake. Um, and so yeah, in the meantime, he's come from this... League of Assassins background, and he wants to kill people. That's how he wins fights, uh, fights to the death. Mm-hmm. And so Batman and uh, Dick Grayson both spend a lot of time trying to train him up to not kill people, convince him that killing people the way that you can fight crime and you can fight the bad guys without killing. Uh, and so, yeah, background coming into this issue, 
Uh, he was trained by the League of Assassins. Uh, Batman has to convince him that killing isn't the way. He joins the Teen Titans. Eventually, he gets replaced uh, as the as the Robin in the Teen Titans. Uh, he comes back to Batman. Uh, recently, Bane uh, led a, uh, a campaign against Batman um, and ends up ruling over the city of Gotham. Bane does. Um, and then he kidnaps Alfred so that he'll have leverage over Batman. Uh, and he says, you know, Batman, if you interfere in my running the city, I'm going to kill Alfred. Uh, Damien takes it upon himself to rescue Alfred. Bane, man of his word, goes ahead and kills Alfred. Uh, Damien blames himself, obviously. Uh, Bruce kind of torn up about the loss of Alfred. Uh, eventually, uh, the Joker reanimates Alfred as a zombie uh, under the Joker's control. And uh, also, this trips out Batman and very much makes Damien feel guilty. Um, and uh, yeah, so, but through all of that, Damien becomes convinced again that criminals should die. They should, if Batman had killed Bane the first time, then Bane wanted to be able to take over the sword, would never have been kidnapped. If Batman had killed the Joker, you know, the last time he caught him, then the Joker wouldn't have been able to reanimate Alfred and do his bidding. Um, Damien's convinced that killing people is the way. He ends up with the Titan um, fighting criminals, and he goes on this kind of killing rage where every time they catch a criminal, he kills them. Uh, the Titan's not cool with that. They try and stop him. They can't because Damien's such a good fighter. Batman has to come and stop Damien, and he is able to, but at that point, Damien's fed up. It tears the Robin symbol from his chest. He throws it at Batman, and he quits and goes off on his own, and that's the point where we're at now. Yeah, that was, a, that was a very good recap. I, I do always feel bad when uh, criminals are using Alfred to get at Batman. I feel bad. You know, Alfred's just trying to do his best. And he always gets attacked as, as to get to Batman. But, you know, you can understand, you know, Damien's not... Damien's supposed to be pretty young. He's 14 in this comic. Usually he's just a teen. So, you, you know, there's great potential there. And Batman, obviously, is his kid, too. But he sees that potential. I mean... You know, it's not ideal that someone trained by the League of Assassins, but you know that he's going to be a pretty good fighter. And if you can just control his impulses, then, you know, there's a lot of potential there. I mean, he does. Unfortunately, he kills criminals. I mean, killing is never good, but, um, you know, so he's not like a bad guy. He just he just needs to, you know, kind of get that training and, and kind of smoothed out. because He's a teenager that all he's really known up to this point is the League of Assassins. Um, but obviously, you can't just go around killing people. I mean, with with Bane, would it have? you know, prevented Alfred from getting killed, probably. But in most circumstances, it's just not okay for somebody, especially a 14-year-old, to decide to be judge, jury, and executioner. So that's obviously the big flaw in his logic. I mean, you can see where he'd be coming from. You know, if I'd killed Bane, then there would be no, you know, Alfred would still be here. But, you know, I just obviously can't be doing that. And so so Batman and the other, you know, Nightwing and Teen Titans are just really trying to help him because there's a lot of potential with Robin. Uh, Damian Wayne, just, he's just a little bit tougher to control. Well, and I think that's part of it, right, is, I mean, you see where he's come from, where what his background is, all that he's had to do to get to this point. And I feel like there's a lot of, I, I want to say pent up frustration, pent up desire to prove he doesn't need any, that he's, he's this kid who can do it on his own. He doesn't need anybody. He thinks his way is right. I mean, Graham, you mentioned the, the talk about going out and trying to basically avenge Alfred, right? You know, you just talk about that. And I think that he does this whole, he has this whole attitude of, I can do this. I don't need your help. I don't need your permission to go and do what I think is right. Well, you talked about his attitude a little bit earlier. That's the, partially from being raised by uh, Talia al Ghul as this heir apparent of assassins. He's also 
Talia Agul and and Bruce Wayne's son. So he is just very talented. He's mm-hmm. a very talented warrior uh, fighter to begin with. Uh, and then with this League of Assassins training, he becomes a, a really formidable warrior when he's only nine or ten years old. And so at that time, he starts thinking that he's better than everyone else. He's a ten-year-old who's better than the vast majority of adults on the planet at mm-hmm. fighting. And so when it comes down to it, he believes not only is it his birthright to be the leader of the League of Assassins, but also he feels like it's his birthright to eventually be Batman and eventually be the protector of Gotham City and combine those two kind of great positions, uh, he thinks that he's, you know, the shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can definitely... That, that attitude comes through a sure. lot in his in his actions and also in his words. Yeah, you can definitely see his arrogance come through, uh, you know, when he challenges a whole island full of formidable fighters themselves to a fight all at once. So it's just, he is very... He's very, I mean, it's hard to, you know, he is arrogant, but it's it's kind of easy to see why. I mean, if you're the son of Batman, you, you probably are going to ha- already have some skills. You're going to have some, you know, you're probably going to be at least a pretty good detective. You're going to be pretty good at a leading. And so you combine that with somebody who's the most organization that's just the most efficient killers in history. And so you're going to get a pretty deadly combination from, from just that. So it's easy to see where the arrogance comes from. Well, and I think, oh, go ahead, Grim. Well, he's used to to leading men um, in that League of Assassins already as well. And so to go and now take a back seat as a Robin, that's tough. To go from giving orders to taking them, uh, it's a hard transition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you talk about just kind of, again, we talk about his attitude. That's going to be like a pinnacle or a pinnacle point throughout this this book, I think, right? It's just kind of how... He has this whatever attitude and does it his way. I mean, you look at this fight where he fights King Snake, and he's just very much, all right, you done yet? You done yet? Cool, my turn. And and he kills the guy, or doesn't kill the guy, but he pretty much like destroys this guy to the point where, I mean, they're they're like, this is a win. This is an easy win. And he just he barely breaks a sweat. You just look at the animation, and I love, I love the way that the artist drew the comic here. And it, you can just very clearly tell that, this guy, King Snake, is trying his hardest to take down this kid, and he's, you know, telling him, hey, save face. But really, the guy himself is like, I know I'm going to lose, so I'm going to tell this kid you're going to lose and just give him a chance to save face so that I also save face. And then Damien's like, no, nah, no, we're we're going to do this. It's going to take three blows, and you're, you're done. Like, yeah. And that's what it is. It's it's beautiful. So we, we start this book with kind of a rainy, moody scene uh, where the Bat family, the, the various members, um, are looking for Damien. And they they can't find him anywhere. Oracle tells us that he's he's off the grid, off the grid. We're not, you're not going to find him. Uh, he wants to disappear, and so he's disappeared with the skills that he has. Uh, again, the artist used the rain, uses these facial, facial features uh, to tell us how distraught Bruce is about this. It's clearly, uh, we, we can just tell by the pictures, he's blaming himself. Uh, for Damien leaving. And then we come in, Damien is in the middle of this fight with King Snake, who we learn later is is Bane's father. And King mm-hmm. Snake is telling us about all of these hoops and, and, and trials that he's gone through in order to get to this point where he's going to enter the, the League of Lazarus tournament. He wants to enter this tournament, and he knows that if he can defeat Damien Wayne, that he'll be in the tournament. And Damien has the same idea. Damien's going, if I can defeat King Snake, I'll be in the tournament. 
Uh, and so we end up in this fight where Damon, yeah, you're right. His, his arrogance shows in his actions, not just his, where he's easily dodging the blows of a, of a really an older, a bigger, a stronger opponent. And he's taking him down pretty easily. Yeah. I was going to say this time, his attitude actually, you know, works out where, you know, he's, he's able to kind of back up what he says mm-hmm. and, and just, you know, he's just, when, when your opponent's just dodging every attack, you can't even get a single punch and you just know, you know, it's never going to go well for you. So he was able to back up his attitude um, in this particular fight. Although one thing I didn't notice um, when this fight was happening is when it was over the guy in the crowd, cause I didn't, I haven't read through. It looked like he had like a Riddler, you know, a little mark on his face. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys picked up on that detail. So the, the guy in the crowd, I think, is the guy that we see later who gives him the chip, the token. To oh, the yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think it's his like snake ta- kind of has these tattoos. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay. That, uh, yeah. And, I, I, and we don't really know. Again, I, we haven't read far enough into this to know who this guy is, but he is the guy who has the token to the tournament. So <laughs> yeah, he's got a. So yeah, so Damien's easily able to get his, himself into like the Mortal Kombat of. Of uh, <laughs> that's exactly what this is. It's a Mortal Kombat tournament. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the vibe I got when he arrived on the island. It's the the Mortal Kombat tournament. It's the, the tournament from Dragon Ball. You know, all of these, um, any of those tournaments. <laughs> but but yeah. So so his attitude is he's able to back it up and, and just getting into the fight. You know, getting his his token to the the island. But right. it does seem. You know, it seems like even with seems like Damien at least tried to rein it in a little bit. I mean, if you're going to an island of people who are also earning their way into a fight, it just it's hard to believe that he would still think that he's the best. I mean, even with genetics, you know, you got to imagine that, you know, some other people there have been training for a lot longer than he has. So to, to kind of take his attitude. But I think that he recognizes that this guy, this King Snake guy, is going to make it in the tournament. He needs one more win, and mm-hmm. he's going to make it into the Laz- or the the Lazarus tournament, uh, League of Lazarus. That's what it is. Um, and so he n- knows how easily he defeated this guy who was going to be in the tournament. So I think he's going to go ahead and assume that everyone's about this skill, uh, which I-, I guess makes sense in the mind of a fourteen year old. <laughs> but also, he's fought people who he couldn't beat. Mm-hmm. Right? Like like he's he's had losses before alongside batman so i don't i don't know why he's assuming that all of the greatest fighters in the world are only fighters that he can (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't make sense i mean again like you said to a 14 year old that it makes total sense it's like all right well this guy was going to be in and i whooped him like this is going to be an easy tournament not the case (laughs) so we see that damien is is not the badass that he thinks he is right or that, that he he wants to be again he wants to go back to the league of assassins a version of himself because he doesn't kill king snake the promoter tells him if you had killed him i would have given you double but you didn't so here's you know the normal payout he takes his payout he goes off and now he's reading manga uh, <laughs> he's uh he's re- reading this book which kind of you know hits you over the head with this with the metaphor where he's a uh, we see two characters in this manga book talking about um, you paint without a plan and your teachers tell you to paint with a plan, but how can you paint without a plan? Yeah, when I was reading that, I was just like, well, that's just right on the nose there. Because it's, <laughs> it's just like if you if you want to, you know, be if you want to make your place as an artist, you have to forge your own path. And like that couldn't describe Damien any better. Just, you know, just in case if you didn't know who Damien was, now you do. He's just... You know, just well, I guess it's kind of like a thing with the Robins and Batman. They all eventually want to prove themselves. But with Damien, he's willing they, to do, just... They want to get out of the shadow of the bat. But yeah. Damien has both, right? Yeah. He has both 
the shadow of his mother and the shadow of his father yeah. that he's trying to forge his own way. And I think he thinks the League of Lazarus is the way to do that. I mean, and you know, he's he's too arrogant, and, and you you do just want to you know be like you you darn teenagers. But at the same time, you can kind of understand where he's coming from. I mean, he's just. I mean, the League of Assassins obviously is not known for showing love, so he he didn't he didn't really get a lot of that. So from them, and then Batman is he's kind of a you know, he's that stone cold. Just I'm gonna you know teach you how to fight and and lead. So it's just you kind of kind of understand why he's trying to to prove himself because it seems like to him everybody has taught him if you're not the best then you're nothing. Basically. I mean they didn't explicitly say that, but I, you know you can kind of at least understand his attitude uh-huh. and his desire to be himself. I mean, it's very heavily implied, right? I mean, based off of where, again, his background, you know, that's that if you aren't the best, you, again, Stephen, you're right. It's you're worthless. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's his background and that's the attitude he carries around with him. And because he's a 14 year old who can pretty much kick anybody's ass, he's he's like, yeah, this is this is true. I, I am the best. So I am somebody. And yeah, no, it, I mean, he carries that with him in every fight, in every confrontation whatever it may be so then we we see this point where he's you know, the book is questioning how can you be a great artist without a plan and he's talking about forging his own path but also at the same time his last thing before he closes the book is that you, this character you must have a plan you must and so that's telling us that damien himself he has a plan even though it's not the plan that his you know his teachers like like the, the teachers in this book the art teachers book if it's not the plan that his teachers want him to take it's still a plan. It might look to the outside world like he doesn't know what he's doing, but himself on the inside, he feels like he has a plan and he's ready to execute. Um, and I, th- I think that shows a, more maturity than we normally ascribe to. Yeah, I mean, he definitely, I mean, you do see his plan. <clears throat> I mean, it might not be a very good plan, but a plan's still a plan. I mean, he's, he, he, he's just a little overconfident in his skills. Um, but I mean, he, he does get together a plan. I mean, he knows to get to the legal as is his best bet. So, I mean, he's got a plan. I mean, even if it's not you know, the greatest plan, and that's just part of growing up. I mean, I'm sure some of Batman, when he was first starting out, weren't the best. So he's just... Well, I was I was going to say, I mean, you, to any 14-year-old, you know, they they feel invincible, right? You know, they feel like, well, I can take on the world. You know, my plan's the best. You know, nobody can tell me I'm wrong. Like, it's that's a very much a 14-year-old's attitude. And then you add a guy who can beat up anybody. I mean... I mean, it's that's his logic, and it, it makes sense. Yeah. So next up, we see an appearance by Ghost. Ghost. Ghost Alfred shows up to lecture Damien to tell him about you know what you're doing is reckless. What you're you know don't act like what you're doing is just happenstance. It's what you have to do because you don't have to enter this tournament. It's it's you know it's not mature of you to enter this tournament to go off on your own and risk your life um, to prove something that nobody needs to prove. And also, I recognize that you didn't fight King Snake on accident. You could have earned your way into this tournament without fighting King Snake. You picked King Snake because he's Bane, because he's Bane's father. You wanted to embarrass Bane's father as a way to prove that you, the guy who trained Bane, you're better than him. Uh, and that way, you can somehow get some semblance of revenge against Bane. And that's, I mean, I, I think, again, something a, a teenager would do. It's this idea that... I can't beat Bane, so I'm going to the people close to Bane, and I'm going to get into this tournament, and I'm going to prove that I'm the best, and that way Batman would have to recognize that my way is the right way. Yeah, and I, I think um, in terms of humiliating Bane's dad, I don't know if 
that was the case. I mean, it certainly could have been. He definitely did show restraint in not killing him. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we learned pretty early in this comic that he right now is fairly cold-blooded. And so um, he did show a little bit of restraint. But, I mean, I do think that humiliating Bane's dad was was a pretty big bonus. But I, I think I do think that overall he's just really trying to get to this league and, and defeat those guys in combat to really prove himself. I think Bane's father was just kind of a bonus, especially since he didn't he didn't kill him like he could have. And, and that promoter, or the, the guy who was, you know, promoting the fight said, if you would have killed him, I would have paid you even more. So I think, you know, he's, I don't know. I mean, I think this but, plan again, it's a bad plan, but I don't think it was, I don't think humiliating Bane's dad was part of it, in my opinion. So I'm I'm going to kind of disagree with you there on a little bit, Stephen. I, I think you, you look at it like he could have killed him and then there's no humiliation, right? The, the whole point, I think, was to humiliate him, to send a message to Bane and say, look, I'm better than your father. I'm better than what you have trained. You should be worried about me. Don't be worried about anything else. You should be worried about me. Because now what's going to happen? King Snake is going to run back and say, dude, I got my ass kicked by this little 14-year-old. Like, Whereas if you kill him, now now you're just... You're not showing that mercy and that you're not you're not really sending as much of a message. Sure, you kill him. You're sending a message like, look, I'm not afraid of you at all. But I think you send him back with a message of, hey, I kicked your ass and didn't think twice about it. I could do it again at any point that that's the message I think is trying to be sent again. The humiliation aspect. It's like now you have to go like if you're a dead guy, you're a dead guy. You're not you're not humiliated at all. But now he has to live with the fact that, dude, I got my ass by this 14 year old and he has to live with that and that's embarrassing well obviously this isn't alfred too right sure like this, this ghost of alfred is within damien's head uh so uh, damien recognizes and he, he he's lecturing himself and damien recognizes that his idea that killing the bad guys the way and the only way is not always he recognizes that king snake is not the kind of bad guy that he says all bad guys need to die and so he still has the kind of sense of, of, of moral right and wrong that leads him not to kill King Snake. But I, I think it's true that he's definitely looking to looking for revenge. I mean, there's I pulled it up here. There's a panel where he says, uh, don't get it twisted. This was no act of revenge. He's still talking to Alfred's ghost. And this, this was no act, act of revenge. They set this fight up. He was just next in line. But he's talking to himself. So He's, he's not trying to convince Alfred in revenge. He's trying to convince himself that this wasn't revenge. And that seems like revenge to me. He's trying to rationalize it. I don't know. I mean, it, it very well. I mean, obviously it could be, but I just think that if he really wanted revenge, even like, you know, if you, if you killed Alfred, you didn't just embarrass him. That's why I would assume that if he were to actually take revenge, it would involve him, you know, killing somebody close to Bane. Because, you know, if you, you know, when you're trying to get, re- like, because Bane took somebody damien really cared about so it wouldn't be like he he's not going to kill bane himself because then you can't take revenge if someone's dead so it just seemed like he if he really wanted revenge on bane he would have actually killed his dad and you know someone he cared about i mean you know he's rationalizing it but i I don't know if it even really matters at that point because it is still true that he was trying to get into the league of assassins so or the league of lazarus so you know, I think either way, it's, you know, he's just rationalizing it as anyone would. But who knows if it was revenge, who knows what the breakdown of revenge versus, you know, intention, you know, trying to get into the league was. You guys heard it here first. If you make Steven mad, he's going to kill you. Yep. No, no. If you make Steven mad, he's going to kill someone you love. <laughs> That's right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, you guys are still missing points. Just tit for tat. It's not. <laughs> I will get revenge exactly how you did to right. me. So if we make Stephanie mad. <clears throat> 
Stephen artist, and you show him your breast, he'll give you a tattoo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if you make Stephanie mad, Stephen will make your wife mad. Yep. Right. That's and how Stephen gets his revenge. That's the dream. No, it's not. That's not the dream. <laughs> the dream. But, so, but we do see some. Oh, go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, but we do see moral code with with Damien still, though, because and I'm sure you were going to get to it in your next little bit, because he does give a large amount of money to to a homeless family. You know, it's, it's pretty right. selfless. So, so he he has all of these winnings, which are you know it seems somewhat substantial anyway, because a big roll of cash that he's gotten from this fight. Once he gets his chip, his token. Uh, to enter the tournament, he does. He tosses that cash to this family who's been begging where he's hanging out uh, for this whole conversation. Ghost Alfred, uh, he gives it to them. They are clearly ecstatic about receiving all of this cash. Um, and so we do again, same thing. We see a little bit glimpse of Damien still being a hero, even when he's decided he's going to go off on his own and he no longer cares about the hero thing. Still, he's still got the hero within him. Mm-hmm. Well, this you you clear so, oh. well so so yeah he's he's got the hero within him what were you gonna say I was just gonna say you you can kind of see a struggle between you know the two sides that make him up you can see the Batman come out once in a while and you can see the uh, Al Ghul part come out once in a while exactly and so he's he's in this constant war between two parts of him. and that that battle between two parts I think does often make him stronger make him a better warrior but at the same time it's also a battle constantly raging with it so he ends up next he ends up on this boat to an island a few people try and talk to him and he blows them off because he is focused and he is ready to fight they end up off the boat we see uh we see uh wade wilson's uh slade wilson rather slade wilson's daughter (laughs) is uh is there his former titan teammate um and she tries to talk to him he also blows her off uh and we come to What's her name? Mother Souls, the the rules lady. She's going to explain the tournament. She's given this big speech, and all of the all of the warriors are gathered around her. So we've got, we've got Mother Soul talking about the rules. We see Damien pop out and go again. I'm arrogant, and I don't need to hear any rules. Let's get down to fighting. So rules lady Mother Soul says, "Okay, well, I we were going to have a big meal, but sure, if you want to fight, go ahead and fight." And we see <laughs> Damien. Getting into a fight here to end the issue. Well, not just that. I mean, it's so yeah. He challenges the whole island to a fight, and then the first taker is a flatline, and so um, he doesn't even get very far because he's 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 promptly defeated once he once he faces another fighter who's had you know an ability to train that's not just some some thug from Gotham. Now that they've got it, found another worthy fighter, and he promptly loses. And not only does he lose. But well, yeah, he, I, I think the biggest thing here, though, is that he he's going through and it's not that he gets completely defeated by this fighter. It looks like it's a fight that he is winning now, not not by a lot. Not cer- it's certainly not a King Snake fight, mm. but he uh, he's winning this fight. But when it comes to the end of it, we see he probably shouldn't have interrupted the rules because he's ready to end this fight in his way. And he's not prepared for the rule number one of the La- of the League of Lazarus tournament. You don't talk about that. that's right. Yeah. The one of the Lazarus tournament is you have to say it five times fast. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. He he very much let his arrogance and his way of doing things interrupt interrupt what happened. And 
it looks like as we come to the closing pages here, like you said, he's winning this fight. It looks like as we come to the closing pages, he ends up losing his life. You right. Know, yeah. You know, Flatline is standing there holding his heart saying we fight to the death. That's right. I, she says, I know rule number one of the League of Lazarus tournament. And rule number one of the League of Lazarus tournament is we fight to the death. And Damian Wayne is dead. Issue one, Robin is dead. The title character dead on the last page of the first issue just a bold move wow he sucks (laughs) but i I haven't read any farther ahead but i kind of feel like i know what's gonna happen next just (laughs) having read a lot of dc titles and they have ways to (laughs) bring people back from the dead that's right so uh, so overall i think what was cool about this one is uh, a lot of the panel choice uh by um melnikov as he goes through and in this art draws panels in such a way that it doesn't I don't think it feels as cinematic as a lot of the DC books that we've read, like especially that one from last week when we talk about uh, Kid Flash. It really felt like I was watching a movie uh, with the Flash in it. I think this one feels a little less cinematic and a little more what comics can so well. We see some cinematic scenes, but we also see kind of choppy breakaway. See um, exactly what Damien is reading in that manga book, which is fun. We see close-ups of his face on occasion, wide-ranging crowd shots, all kinds of angles. But the the big part is that these panels—they're never the classic, you know, six or nine panel um, books that we're used to. The panels are always—they're different shapes, they're different sizes. We get a couple of wide-ranging backgrounds. Damien sits on the dock. We get some of these cool shots of the uh, of the island we approach uh, from the ship, and overall, the no no panel feels like it's regular. There's no regular page layout that we're you know privy to well i was gonna say i really love that it's that what's consistent about it is the fact that it's inconsistent i love that we're getting a wide array of those different angles those different layerings and whatnot and i think that you know for some readers you enjoy the very classic six eight nine panels whatever and that's fine but i think that with something like this it's really cool to see the story almost kind of feel like it's moving rather than panel here panel here panel here. it's very much flowing a lot smoother i think um in some aspects and you can almost feel that the fight sequences you can feel damien turning the pages of his book as he talking with alfred the ghost of alfred if you will um so i just feel like there's a lot more of that than what we're used to in some of the other comics yeah and that's you know a uh... One thing that I like about comics too is that they do take they take their own liberties and will switch things up. And if the story calls for the, the classic, either four, you know, six panels, they'll, they'll do it. But I like in this one, I love the layering. The you know, like mm-hmm. there's the one where it's just you know, uh, Damien's holding his cape, and then like in a the small little um, bottom right, there's like another panel. I don't know. I like that. I think it it makes it flow and it makes the story make sense. And and since the right. story has a lot of um, kind of hand to hand combat. I like how they showed that in the panels as well. I think that it, it shows a lot that the artist kind of understands what the writer wants to show with their just words. And then, um, you know, they're able to say, OK, like if I were to, you know, if I were to read, you know, I'm envisioning this and this is what I think the panel should look like based on the writing. So I like that, that they can kind of understand what they're you know, drawing just based mm-hmm. on the you know, the, the dialogue. So I like that. I like how the dialogue and the art can work together in a comic to sum it up. <laughs> Yeah, and we really, I think my favorite panel in the whole thing is that final, not the final panel, but the second to last panel with uh, Damien's heart and Flatline's head. We actually see the Flatline yep. on the page Yeah, um, that. where we see kind of the essence of Damien. We get to see his face in the background as he goes, I can't believe I was just killed. 
uh, and we see Flatline standing over him. It's one panel with three different things. In it. Um, so one panel doing the work of three. Uh, really, uh, really way to do this. We get the ski kind of background in it, and obviously does remind us again of a Mortal Kombat finishing move. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so here we are back in the Mortal Kombat tournament. <laughs> Finish. Well, that Before was it. that was one of the finishing moves in Mortal Kombat, wasn't it? That you rip their heart out mm-hmm. <laughs> in the later later titles. Yeah, I think it was. Because originally it was you rip their spine out. That was the finishing move, and then they got more. Well, the, the classic would tear the sign up. Yeah. Just, just brutal. <laughs> just just brutal for the sake of being brutal. Just <laughs> over the top. So overall, what do we think of the book? It is one. So doing this comic podcast is great because I get exposed to all these great titles, but there's only so much time to read them. And this is definitely right. one of those that I would love to read. And, and I, I, prob- I probably will plan on, on finishing it up someday, but it was it was good. I liked it. Yeah, I was a big fan. I think that there's some really cool stuff here with what's going on with Damien, with kind of getting to explore the Bat family a little bit, at least the the Damien side of it. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of what what they gave us, and this is one I will definitely finish out. Is this a long run or is this a mini run? What's the gram? Do you know? Pretty short. I want to say it's ten ish. Okay. So ten issues. Um. So yeah. Um. Not that long to read. Uh. Plenty of action packed adventure to go. And uh, I, a book that I enjoyed as well. So uh, next week, continuing our theme of sidekicks, uh, we have Stephen's book. On Stephen, what are we going to be talking about next week? Well, Graham, uh, to commemorate the relaunching. I mean, it's not relaunching. It, it was always playing. Uh, Saga was, but they did take a break. And I can't remember when that happened. But they're resuming the same run in um, Jan- this month, January. So <clears throat> to kind of get the uh, listeners ready for that, we're going to read Saga Chapter 25. Um by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. And I apologize for kind of jumping right into the middle, but I, I want uh, I really want the listeners to get hooked on this one. And so I think that chapter 25 is a good place to start. And in this one, uh, just a brief little recap, Hazel is recounting her family's military past, how the war between Wreath and Landfall got as big as it is, what once was a two-planet battle became the universe-wide war as more were recruited to join the fight. The sacrifice of the universe meant that everyone had a stake in the outcome, but it also allowed the planet-side civilians to go back to being disconnected. When the war is happening somewhere else, to someone else, it's hard to make the connection of how it might impact the individual. But Hazel knows, and her parents know, just how many sacrifices are needed in war. So kind of jumping in the middle, but this issue kind of explains what's going on in the book. Yeah, I think that's we get a good uh, recap of kind of the background of story and where this is set. Uh, plus, for a theme of sidekicks, start off right away because there's not a lot of sidekicks. Uh, so I think this is a good jumping off point to find the sidekick yeah, exactly. uh, that we need. Yeah. I'm excited to uh, talk about it next week. Yeah, yeah as am I. It looks like it's going to be a good read. Pumped to jump into it. Yeah, Saga's it. I love it. Saga, one of the ones I'm uh, excited to jump back in. 25, read that. But next week, do we have any parting thoughts before we go, boys? Um, Boy, well, it's, uh, hopefully we all, hopefully 2022 is a good year and we, I'm excited for a full year of talking about comics. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. This month, uh, kicking off the year with sidekicks, I think is an appropriate way for us to dive into characters who don't always get the limelight. Very excited for that and looking forward to, well, the next, what, 50 weeks of comic reading for us. It's going to be a good year. Well, with that, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
Uh, we hope you didn't roll your eyes too hard at Alex's sidekick pun there. Hey. Uh, we hope that you go off on your own with or without a plan. We hope you join the League of Lazarus tournament. But remember, the first rule of the League of Lazarus, don't talk about the League of Lazarus. Uh, we hope that you come up with your own Mortal Kombat finishing move. If you do come up with it, please leave it on our Instagram. Let us know uh, what that Mortal Kombat finishing would be. That's uh, Make Mine Paperback on Instagram. We hope you go to your local comic shop. We hope you approach the counter and tell the person at the counter, make mine paperback. We'll see you next week.